Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Emmett Mann. Rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platforms and on YouTube. Like and subscribe there as well. Joining me today, new podcast contributor. Javon Shepard played a, over a decade with Team Canada, doing all kinds of great stuff over at uh, TSN, Sportsnet, wherever. You're, just, you're, a, you're the up-and-comer right now, I would say, in basketball, sports, media. Man, what's up? It's great to have you aboard. Man, it's, it's, it's great to be here, man. Like you said, just everywhere where, where basketball is, we're there, we're having fun with it. And it's always, always a good time to talk hoops, man, especially with everything that's transpired over the last, what is it, week now and over the last 48 hours here in Raptorland and so forth. 24 so, hours, 12 hours, yeah. Jesus. Everything. Crazy, man. Um, yeah, and what I love about your perspective and like Akia Nurse and CJ, who I do the Strictly Hoop show with, is the perspective is just different. There are things that you guys know and uh, ways you can articulate what players are feeling in ways that right. we just can't understand. Um, we're always about X's and O's or it's about narrative and stuff like that. And you're thinking about it just in a different kind of scale. And, yeah, and this is probably a great time actually to have that kind of conversation because yesterday um, Masai Jury spoke, he talked about, you know, why he went the route he did. Obviously we now know that, you know, Yaka is on board, didn't make any trades. Everyone thought somebody would have to go right. Just due to, you know, cap circumstances and stuff like that. And Masai's like, uh, Nope, your three first round picks is not good enough for OGM Novi. No, we're not going to do that. Pascal Siakam. Sure. Um, you can, we can talk about it, but he's not going anywhere. Kevin Durant, you can take your ass to the Phoenix because we're not going to be giving you the uh, Brooklyn Nets. We're not going to give you the guy that you want. Um, yep. A lot of interesting things. So I guess just your general thoughts on what went down yesterday from the Raptors' perspective. It, it's it's funny because, you know, watch that press conference and, you know, a lot of people left that and said, Messiah, you know, just seems sad or dejected and so forth. But to me, I thought that was you know, impressive and a message to his locker room, his guys, right? Yeah. Because one of the things that stuck out to me is he said, maybe it's me. Maybe, you know, I haven't given these mm. guys enough to work mm. with. Them. So there was there was an accountability piece there. And he said, I, I've got to, you know, I've got to give this group a fair chance to to be successful, right? We've been missing a big for so long. We've, you know, that that conversation has been there. And I've got to have a, a have a bigger sample size while giving these guys a fair chance, right? Giving them a big to to, to have some success and work with. Yeah. I thought that was impressive, right? Because that's a sign of a leader, right? That's a sign that a lot of the, the, the veteran guys on this Raptors team can also learn from, right? Like taking mm -hmm. a step back, silencing the noise a bit and tuning out the noise rather than saying, you know what? I can do more. I can contribute more. And that to me spoke volumes. And he went out and did that, right? He said, I trust these guys. So for the guys in the locker room, you know, if I'm if I'm Pascal, if I'm OG, if I'm, you know, Fred, Gary, like this man turned to us in the midst of all the, the criticism, in the midst of all the fire. And he yeah. had our back. He said, I'm rocking with you guys in this locker room because I believe in you guys. Mm -hmm. Right. And that to me should that should invigorate the group. That should inspire the group. That should 
calm their nerves a bit too, right? There's this, we've, we've gotten past the, the trade deadline and yeah. everybody that's going to be here is here, right? And he said that was a message to the group. He also did say, right, now it's time to buckle down, right? And I trust you guys, but there's there's a level of expectation, right? It's a mm-hmm. different year. This is not Tampa year, you know, if we're in the playing situation, but we're we're going to compete. We're here to compete, get better and so forth. So I thought that messaging, you know, was was important. I thought that messaging was less for the media, um, yeah. more for, I know it was on a public stage, public uh, platform at Landscape there. And I thought that was more of a message to the guys in the locker room that publicly I'm going to protect you. I'm riding with you. I'm rocking with you guys. And there's got to be a return there from coaching staff, players down, sure. down forth, because that that gives you that boost of confidence that you need. Yeah, and I'm looking at the comments on our YouTube page. Um, I posted the Masai Ujiri presser and along with, you know, a video of Yaka Pirtle and what he's going to be offering the Raptors and a lot of negativity. A lot of people just wanted change. And it's funny that if this move was made, you know, earlier on during the summertime, last season or whatever, like we're probably talking about a different Raptor team, a much better Raptor team. And we're not even having this conversation about, you know, are they going to strip it down and rebuild at the deadline? Um, But for whatever reason, they didn't do it back then. I'm guessing because they felt the asking price was too much. They didn't want to lose Gary Trent Jr. Um, and a few picks for Yaka Pirtle at that time. But obviously the Spurs, uh, they had a, a change of heart and they got the price that they also got to say this to Ken Birch. Um, salute. Um, I just mean, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, you know, he's able to get like a good contract from the Raptors. Like sure, the playing time hasn't been there. Um, but he's gotten like a, you know, some stability in his life. And now going forward, hopefully he's able to find a more traditional role on a, on a less funky team because <laughs> he is a backup big. He just hasn't been able to be that with the, the Raptors because of their funk. Um, and he's had now, some misfortune, right? Like some, yeah, some man, uh, injuries, you know, bad sure. luck injuries and so forth. So yeah, yeah. Tip pat to my brother, Kim. Yeah. Um, you know, well wishes, right? You want to, you want these guys obviously be in a position to succeed. Something you said that, that stuck out is that people want to change. But there's so much uncertainty that comes with 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 change. Nobody has yeah. a crystal ball, yeah. right? And you look at this team, and I, I think I said it to you before. Um, why change? Like, what do you when you when you're asking for change? Where are you asking for it from, mm-hmm. right? And for me, you look at, and obviously the front office was privy to all of this. You look at how the, the East is shaping up. They've obviously gotten weaker, um, yeah. and you look at what you've added to this team, and there's something there, right? Because you look at, okay, the Raptors have struggled with transition defense, um, defensive transition. Yep. And you bring in Yaka Pirtle, right? A guy that's first position, one of the best offensive rebounding bigs in the NBA. Hmm. What does that do right away? That allows you now to send less guys to crash sure. the glass, yep. you know, rely on him a bit more. And then now you have these guys getting back in and creating that wall and now using their length to their advantage. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that should help there from the defensive right away from the defensive side. Right. One of the worst teams um, defending in transition that sure. should help now in the half court as well. Is, is he, you know, I think we've seen it the other day too, when, when they played San Antonio, is he going to switch out and be able to defend guys on the perimeter? Absolutely. No, absolutely not. So we have to temper our expectations there, mm-hmm. but what it does with the Raptors style of play, they want to press up in the half court. They want to force you to turn the ball over, win the possessions battle. That also means there's going to be times where guys yeah. get backdoor cuts and, you know, you miss a deflection or two. He's 7-1. He takes up so uh-huh. much space. Even if he's not shot blocking, he's contesting, right, at sure. the rim. 
And you got to think about it as, you know, somebody penetrating into the key or, or getting by. So there's a lot of little intangibles that uh-huh. is going to be a 20 and 10 guy tomorrow. Is he going to be, you know, the, the next coming? No. But yeah. for areas that the Raptors need help in, yeah. you know, marginally, I think he does it. And that makes a big difference. A lot of good things right there. Um, he is a connective piece on both ends is, a, I think, a good way to put it. And Masai making this decision that, you know, I want to see what this looks like with him. I think it makes sense. I just wish it happened earlier on because you don't know what this team is technically because of how, you know, shorthanded they were at the center position for a few years now. This isn't a new thing. This has been like this for a while. Some of it was by design. They wanted to try out this vision. But in the end, we're also seeing that you need someone. You need a big. You need someone who can do the things that Jakob Pertl is going to do. And I think actually seeing Precious at the five over the past few weeks, it it actually crystallized like how important it is because he was just doing big man things um, at his at his size. He was rebounding, he was running the floor, um, he was you know setting screens, he was rolling, and it was it was valuable. And especially with the Raptors and how much talent they have in their starting lineup, you need just an intangibles person. I've said it before on this pod. You need a connective piece, just yeah. someone to do the little things. And I think that's that's what Jakob's going to do. Um, the people that are disappointed that you know it wasn't a bigger move, I think it it's understandable. I just wish they made this move earlier on because we'd be further ahead in the process. But then again, like I said, maybe they didn't want to get rid of Gary and that was maybe the price. And also someone pointed out that this could be a pressure thing from MLSE saying that we don't want to go through a rebuild. Um, That's not where we want to be at this point, especially when they went through the Tampa year and also just the whole COVID thing, um, not having fans in the stands and so forth. So that's also a very real thing. Money talks, money makes the world go around. Money makes the world go around and, rebuilds don't happen overnight. That's the other no. thing. Like it's always, you know, it's great for conversation, but we're talking about a, a four to eight and four on the, the best case scenario, four mm-hmm. to eight year, you know, turnaround, right? Cause you got to give those guys cycles to develop. You're also, if you're talking about a rebuild, you're probably drafting a guy that's, you know, one year into college. These guys are young guys and we're seeing the, the highs and yeah. lows of Scotty, right? You, you've got to give them those, the, the first contract to get acclimated in the second contract to you know come into their own so you know when you talk about you know rebuilding retooling reshaping we we have, we have to tread light with that because we're also not you know traditionally we haven't toronto hasn't been a place that yeah. lands biggest free agents you know right so you're you're really dependent on the development of your your homegrown players yeah right? and we we have to just temper expectations there but at the same time the pressure that that you know the city or the team may feel or MLSC or, you know, whomever it's, it's warranted. And it's a good thing, right? That means people care. The last couple of years, we've gotten a taste of success, right? You have a championship, yeah. you have a, a coach of the year, you have a rookie of the year, right? So on one end, we've been spoiled with a lot of success, hmm. but on the other end, we start to build a culture here. We start to build a fan base here and it's not just for a city, it's for a country, right? Hmm. And the fact that, you know, people care is also why, the money keeps circulating. Like you said, money sure. makes go around, right? So, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that's the direction. That should have been the direction to go right now because that that sets a lot back, right? Where right? you mm. really have to give this this group here the pieces that they need and and plug and play a bit more, right? And you have some guys, and even to your point, that want to be here, right? Yep. Look at, you know, the press conference today and the, the air is lighter in the room, right? Everybody's happier. And it's not like you're adding a completely new piece. You're adding a guy that's been here, a guy that's a you know one of our own and has a relationship with these guys. So that mm. that that merging, that cohesion that you want to expedite 
may happen a lot faster than yeah. bringing some, somebody completely new. You also go, you know, if you look at the other side, for those that wanted, you know, a, a home run play, you go out and get, read the market and go and get a, you know, a stud temporarily. You've got to know what you're getting. You're not getting the perfect player. So yeah. what are their holes? How does, how did the holes in their game impact mm -hmm. this team as well? Right. It's, you know, there's a plus minus, there's pros and cons to everything. Sure. Um, Masai talked today and also, or yesterday, along with uh, Pascal and, and Jakob, man, like this is, this is a put up or shut up kind of time. Like this is a time that you have to do this and they got a runway here. Um, their schedule, I was looking at it um, the other few hours ago, um, their schedule for the rest of February. It's pretty, it's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. A lot of home games. You got the jazz tonight who are, you know, in their tank mode. You got the Pistons, magic Pelicans, Pistons again, Cavaliers, Bulls. That's the rest of your February. The Raptors are on a three-game win streak currently. That could go to 10. Like, it's not that's not impossible. And the Eastern Conference, I want to ask you about this, and I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. But um, now that the Brooklyn Nets have made their move, um, you know, they're going to probably get out of that top six. Miami Heat, they're still a little bit up and down. The Raptors are currently in the 10th spot. Like, there is something that's to be said about, you know, it's not impossible for them to make up this four-and-a-half-game little stretch here and get into that top six. Like, that is very possible. And if you think about it during amidst all the, the controversy, all the, the adversity, all the rumors, they still found themselves yeah. on the road and, and put together a stretch of games, right? Which now mm. puts them in even a better position considering their schedule. I think they have, you know, Utah twice, Detroit twice coming up and, yeah. and New Orleans, right? So even in the next five alone, there is they can start trending in the right direction. East has gotten weaker. Um, but I, I think for them, the important thing too is or even us looking at the East and the scheduling is there's only three teams in that top six that have a winning road record, uh, road record, right? Mm, to me, point. and that's that's your Milwaukee, that's your Boston, and that's Philly, your top three teams, right? Yeah. After that, it's wide open because you, you get into mm. play, you get into playoff situations. If you can't win road games, if you're not a, a road team that can come together as a group in that locker room, yeah, you don't, you don't get road wins. Right. And mm -hmm. anybody in playoff situation can can muster up anything can happen, you know, at, at home. Right. So you can't leave sure. yourself vulnerable. So for me, it's yeah, can this team string together some wins right now? Can they come together, you know, faster guys? There's there's a good energy, there's a good feel now. Um, you're adding a piece that you needed yeah. now. The other side to that is, you know, that Jakob brings is we've we've spoke so much about needing a center. We've also spoke so much about needing some some bench production. Right. So mm -hmm. I would assume if I'm coach nurse, we've needed a center. You're, you know, Jakob is going to get that spot. At you some think so, right? Point, right? Yeah. I would assume so because yeah. he's now, he's not a defensive stopper, but he's a defensive anchor and he's something different, right? 7 yeah. 1. That bumps one of these guys that's been holding down this team, one of the starters, to the bench. So you've now added to that bench mm. without even making a big play, without even making exactly. a big play. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. As long as they keep that confidence and just understand to continue to do their role and be the best in their role, yeah. I think you get more bench contribution, right? So yeah. you become a better team. Yeah, I, I saw some people uh, throwing out the possibility of Gary 
um, staying in the starting lineup and maybe it's like a, a Scotty Barnes going to the bench. I just can't see it. I don't think it's, it makes sense, especially with who Scotty is. And he's a player that despite not being a, a high volume three point shooter or an accurate three point shooter, he's just going to find space on, in the court and he's going to continue to be, you know, utilized in a, in a good fashion. He's going to keep on being productive. And also, you know, you check out, Scotty early on, and then he's running your your bench unit, right? With Precious and Chris, and then you got maybe you got Gary Trent Jr. and then whoever the fifth person is, Thad, Malachi Flynn, whatever. But um, who starts matters less. I'll put it that way. Who starts? Who plays those first like five minutes of the first and third don't matter too much. And who's going to be finishing games is going to probably that's, be that's very different. Me. Yeah, it's going to be different each game. I that's think. the only thing that matters is is who's finishing the game. And to yeah. your, to your point there, it's it could always change, right? Because now you're talking about a bit more depth and mm -hmm. what are the matchups like coming to the end of the game and, and who's rolling, right? And I think that's what you gotta do. Like if you're a coach nurse, you're not you're not putting guys out there just to, to appease them and, and and you know make them happy. You're putting right. them out there to win the game. The difference for coaches is you're evaluated based on wins and losses, not sure. classifying and being friendly with with players, right? So if yeah. Gary, if it's Gary's night, he's going to be out there to end the game. If it's Scotty's night, he's going to be out there to end the game. If Pascal isn't playing well, maybe he shouldn't be in there to to end the game, right? Uh, would be my yeah. take. But at the same token, yeah, to start, you know, in that starting five, I imagine the way Scotty's playing right now, um, it's a it's a stark contrast from the Scotty we've seen earlier in the season, who had those yeah. inconsistencies with his intensity, with his his focus, right? Right now, he seems to be laser focused, especially in those fourth quarters. And the reality is. Scotty may not be your your biggest investment on the books, but he's your biggest investment long term, right? Sure. So you want to utilize him right now, yeah. not just to to win games, not just to to fill the seats in the stands, but you're you want to teach him how to win, right? Yeah. You're teaching him how to win. You're, he's he's got to learn real time if he's that investment, if he's going to be that good. And I think right now he's doing a good job of it. The spirits are much better uh, yesterday after the trade deadline and Gary found out that he was going to be staying with the Raptors. He told Lindsey Dunn, he's like, yo, I mean, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm still here. Um, ready to rock. Let's go get this. Fred today. He was one of the players leaving the locker room towards the court and he was singing. Um, just Listen, you get, you get Fred smiling and singing yeah. and you know, it's a good day. You yeah. know, it's a, a great day. <laughs> How important from your perspective is it to have um, the faith of the front office? um as a player that's huge that's everything yeah that's that's a boost of confidence that's the just laying all the cards out on the table and saying listen you guys we're on the same page we're with you guys we trust mm -hmm. in you guys we believe in you guys and when we close this locker room behind us it's it's just us in here and we're yeah. gonna do this together right at the same token right i think Masai, you know he put his neck on the line for this group right here he did. Much, yeah, he just laid it out, put his neck on the line for this group. So yeah. there's got to be, you know, an ROI risk on this, this, you know, this return, right? Yeah. Um, a return on this this investment here with these guys. And they've got to say to him, you know, thank you, right? We've got to sure. show, show some appreciation with it because at least they know what they have right here, right? They know the situation, mm -hmm. they know the landscape. But now I've got, if you're Masai, you're, you're commanding a lot more of them. You're demanding a lot more out of them because mm -hmm. he's put himself out there for this group but to have that confidence behind you it it speaks yeah. volumes for the player because at least when you when you look these guys in their eyes and you look around you know the practice facility and and you know when you go into a game you don't yeah. feel like 
the coaching staff or the front office actually wanted me out of here. You feel uh-huh. like they wanted me here. And, and you're always going to feel, you're always going to play better when you feel like you're welcome, when you feel like you're wanted. Every time players get traded, that's the first thing they talk about. You know, even Kyrie, you know, after his, his, his um, presser in Dallas was, he wanted to be in a place where he felt wanted, sure. right? So Masai gave this group, Masai and Bobby gave this group that that boost of confidence and that boost of, we want you here, despite everything that's happened. Yeah. We're going to win with this group, right? And that that speaks volumes. He apologized, essentially, to some of the core players saying, you know, we didn't get you a rim protector and that's our fault. That's yeah, big. That's rare, right? The, the accountability that he took, right? That yeah. is extremely rare from, a fr- even from front office, even from coaches, because it is just human nature. We always find, you know, when coaches are losing, they're going to, they go into the media or they, uh-huh. you know, they point the finger at the team and the coach is not playing, uh, the team and the players are not playing hard enough, or we need more of this. We need more of that. You know, when players aren't playing well, they blame the coaches and say the offense, I'm not getting the ball. I'm not getting them enough yeah. minutes. So-and-so is not passing me the ball. Mm. Uh, front office sometimes looks at coaches and coaching and say they're not doing the job that you're supposed to but Masai he took that one on the chin he said yep. coaching staff is doing the best that they could with what they had um you know he's supported his players and he stood up he stood up you know took off everything he had all his guard and said maybe that was on me yeah. for not giving this team what they needed and you have yeah. to you can't do nothing but respect that and then he went out and gave them what, you know, in, in my opinion, not, you know, it's not a home run move, right? But at the same token, when you look at exactly what the Raptors need and the places they need improvement, Yaka brings those, those, you know, that skills. Yeah. I wonder at what point yesterday Masai made that decision that we're just going to keep them. Um, he said that he got you know, calls on everyone. And during that, he thought, if I'm getting this many calls, it's like maybe like maybe they are that good, right? Like maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I should, you know, pivot and make this switch to uh, bringing in a rim protector and see how, how things go here. Um, I think it's, it makes sense. Um, I think yeah, it's, a, it's a wise move. You don't make a, a knee jerk reaction, right. Yeah. For, for a long-term decision. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know fans in the moment right now are, you know, questioning it, but yeah. as a front office, you got to look at this thing from a, a, a eight-year cycle right because mm-hmm. the contracts are three four years yeah. right and the long plan the long game right you have to have that in mind and again the reality is you go into the off season one it's almost like a real estate market you've tested your market right now sure with the guys that you have now you go into the, the summer market which is the hottest market especially yeah. going into the drafts and you have some more clarity there and you still the have draft. those pieces right the draft that's the big one draft. i think that's where we're going to see some movement that's the important part, right? Yeah. You also, to that point there, is just understanding, okay, KD is now in the West, right? Rappers are full of 6'8 wings, 6'8 guys that are defenders. Mm-hmm. They're always going to be, you know, vetted out and, and coveted because of those moves there. You have sure. on in the West. You have KD in the West, Devin Booker in the West. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those guys are going to, ha- their value is going to be increased, not because of what they do here, but because of what teams need in the West mm. to get out. Right. So yep. you think about that, like even Memphis yeah. offering, you know, an insurmountable amount of first round picks for Kevin Durant, for OG and Ananobi. But hey, and then, you know, in the Raptors case, what did you give up? Right. You gave up yeah. Kim, 
who probably needed a, a fresh start. You also gave up, what is it, a 2024 first round pick protected. You look at the draft, 2024 is probably mm. going to be one of the weaker drafts right now in the last couple of years. Yeah. So just having a, a greater understanding of the full picture um, and less emotion involved will give you, you know, more of a, a perspective and yeah. a view. He also said that the reason why he doesn't like making trades at the deadline is that the scope of teams who are interested in making trades, like it's less, which is true, right? There's only a certain amount of teams that are going to be looking to buy or sell um, within the trade deadline. Um, But after the season's over, everyone. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One's kind of in retool, rebuild, or some kind of mode, so there's more teams to to tinker with. Um, Michael Granger pointed out that if the Raptors were interested in trying to bring back all three players, and we're talking about, you know, Jakob, who he did say today that he's interested in resetting with the Raptors. And he also said that, you know, I think based off of them bringing me in, I think they want to, you know, make this a, a long-term thing as well. But you got Jakob, you got Gary, and you got Fred. Um, Grange said that there'd be roughly $70 million to play with to re-sign all three, three, three of those players. And that's not even like looking at the rest of the team. That's just for those three. And then after that, next season, you got uh, Pascal, maybe super max eligible. We'll see what happens. OG and um, Scotty Barnes, his uh, rookie max extension is going to be there. So money is going to have to be moved around, but I think it's important that you know what you're going to be going forward with. And I think that's going to reveal itself too. When you, when you play these next 27 games, you're going to see, okay, so maybe he isn't a fit, he is a fit, stuff like that is going to, is going to show, and then you can make a logical decision on where you're going to go with your team. Yeah, and even from a, from a business standpoint, right, when we talk about the money and where it needs to be dispersed and divvied up, yeah. that is all great today, right, sure. in, in this moment, right, in this market, right? But I think we've seen it over the last two weeks, right? The Raptors are the most talked about, the most prized mm-hmm. uh team and, and individuals in the league and then what happens you know Kyrie wants out of Brooklyn that changes the whole landscape of things everything now gone to yeah uh, to Phoenix right so yeah that you know the market completely changed in in the blink of you know 12 hours 24 hours that's going to be no different than when you have to make a decision on some of these guys right mm-hmm. somebody else you know in the market may arise or you know start playing better or there may be a better fit so in theory, it's all great. It's all cute to talk about the numbers right now, but in a year and a half, like what is what's the market situation then? And sure. who's available then? At what cost? And you know, it's great, great for conversation, great, yeah. you know, shop talk, but that's that is mm-hmm. today after the deadline when none of it really matters. Yeah. All right, let's and talk Yaka The team, like you mentioned, could also get on a run and start to roll. 100%. Something guys are sacrificing to come back. Maybe they take a little yeah. less just to stick together. And that's something to keep in mind too. That's what right. I was thinking about. That if you keep them happy, if you have a winning culture, because right now, I mean, like Masai said yesterday, that you know some guys are playing a little bit selfish. I mean, maybe that might happen, right? Team isn't playing well. 
contracts are coming up. Guys want to make their money. Like maybe they're going to stick, take a few more shots. Like I understand that. But if you start winning, you win a round or something like that, you got no role here. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, I think this is a fun situation. I like these guys. Winning, winning solves a lot because yeah. it also makes you a lot more likable. It also makes yeah. you a lot more marketable. That also brings in a lot more outside money, uh-huh. right? So you can take, you know, a little less right here because you're winning and so much more is coming in over there, right? So to keep that together. Money, 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 <laughs> money. Yeah, so Yaka Pirtle, Um, Another thing to keep in mind too is that this void that's been there for a few seasons, at least you have that solved now, you know? Mm-hmm. Like whatever happens with OG, Fred, Gary, um, that's that. But for OG, he's probably a little bit more irreplaceable because of his skill set, you know, defensive player of the year capabilities. But you can find other players that can do similar things. But rim protection is really hard to find. There's only some players that can do it, and not all of them are as mobile as Jakoperdel is. So I want to look look at his defense. Um, I think a great example to use is how good the Raptors were when Christian Coloco was on the court. Right. He isn't there necessarily as an offensive player, you know, finishing around the rim and stuff like that. But 11.5 points per 100 possessions better with Coloco on the court. Why? Rim protection. Right. And he's not even like there yet necessarily, but that's what he was offering. And that's how much he helped the Raptors. Now you add in Yaka Pertle, someone who's more experienced at this thing and also is a great offensive player, which we're going to get to in a second. You got something here. On the and I think I mentioned it or touched on it earlier at the simplest, the most basic yeah. form. Jakob is seven one. There's so much real estate that he covers. Mm. When guys penetrate past that first line of defense, right? And remember, it's a yeah. physical game. And Jakob rotates over, right? You now have to automatically think before he even blocks a shot. You've already as a as a as a offense have to start thinking about how do I be reactive? How do I be instinctive? How do I get to a counter? Yeah to get over or around him? Or mm-hmm. what is the next play? What's the next pass? Those split seconds are where you're now, you know, somebody gets a tip on the ball or, you know, somebody gets a deflection because your second delayed and that backside is in is in position of rotation, right? And uh-huh. he helps as well because, again, clogging up that space and you're now making the offense think a split second or two. Guys on the backside that, that rotate, they have more time, right? They can get into mm-hmm. position. Right. So I think that there's so much that he anchors your defense with. And he also understands at this point, you know, he's been in the league some time, understands the angles, understands how to avoid, you know, picking up fouls, which we've seen Christian Coloco do that oftentimes. Just, you know, sometimes he's a pogo stick. He's jumping at everything, sure. just not understanding the, the, his opponent, the other players in this league, their tendencies and so forth. You have a guy sure. that understands that. And then, you know, the the transition side defensive transition is it starts when you have this big here that can you can send him to the rim right and you have four guys now that are, that are getting back and creating a wall and that's mm-hmm. probably been the weakest point of the Raptors defense I think they're at the bottom of the league maybe 27th in fast break in opponent fast break points yeah you're not getting those up anymore right these sure. guys can get back and now you're getting to really see you know, the importance of their length because they get back now that free throw line, they're matched up, they're pointing, they're using their length. You're stopping that initial attack, right? Yeah. So, you know, from, from the defensive side, I think he he brings so much. Um, but again, and I'm I'm not expecting him to be a lockdown defender. I'm, I'm expecting him to be a good team defender. Yeah. Right. And when we played, when he played the, a couple nights ago, you know, Pascal went at him and 
friendly that was a friendly reminder they probably knew <laughs> and scotty yeah. was going at him when they got those switches so they're still sure. going to you have to caution that as well teams are still yeah. going to try to pick him out on the perimeter but if you can keep him under that rim as much as possible keep him around that around those areas and the perimeter can do their mm-hmm. job everybody trusts each other then you're working with something and everything starts to sing when you have a person like him. Even if you talk about a situation like that where Jakob is switched on to a superior player, the length of the Raptors collectively can actually help in those cases, right? We have Pascal out there, OG out there, Scotty out there, um, Fred, who's large in his own way. Um, you know, that is going to help too. Like, this is why it's so important that the Raptors has got somebody that's going to help them in these situations. Like, is that they're already very solid. I'm curious if they get... Uh, a little bit less aggressive on the perimeter now that they actually have a rim protector? Do you play a little bit more composed defense and challenge teams to get through you? Or do you continue playing aggressive? Because I think Nick Nurse has also said that he enjoys playing aggressive defense. He thinks it's important in the NBA. Um, But I also think, you know, other teams have snuffed that out. And this has also been part of the problem with the Raptors defense is that teams kind of know who they are. You know, they're not a surprise anymore, um, but it's going to help having Jakob Pertl there as a rim protector. At the same time, though, playing drop, look at the Milwaukee Bucks, how effective it can be when you challenge teams to make shots from the mid-range. You take away the three-point line, you take away the rim, make them take those shots from there. Plus, with the Raptors' overall length, I think there's something there that maybe they should, you know, continue to do a bit more of that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, style of play, you've always you got to make a decision, right? It's mm. your team that's going to, pressing up and pressuring teams and trying to force them to cough the ball up yeah. or a team that's really just um, containing. Right. Uh, so I think it'll, it'll actually be easier to con- to continue with your brand of play right now because you are integrating one player as opposed to yeah. changing the, the, the brand of play for the other five, 10 guys that are going to be playing the minutes mm. for the one player. Right. Um, and I, I think you still play to your strengths and for sure. me, it's on the, the transition side. Can you eliminate those 15 to 20 points that teams are yeah. getting in the transition, right? Because if you look at mm-hmm. the games that they've lost, very slim, right? Oh, very so slim, slim. slim so, margins so right slim. there, right? So it's just yeah. those 20 points that you're getting in transition, if you can cut those down to half of that with just, you know, now you have that great offensive rebounder as a big and guys getting back and stopping mm-hmm. there, then, hey, you win the possession battle, you stop transition, Right. You've you've saved yourself 15 to 20 points on on the board. Right. So I think that's where you stick with your plan. Right now, the Raptors are 17th in defense and 16th in defensive rebounding. Um, The amount of occasions, man, where they play good defense and then they don't get the the rebound. Some of that's going to get a little bit better. And again, Precious Achua, like he did a really good job. But even that, just seeing Precious grab those boards um, when he was starting at the five, it was such a relief. He mm-hmm. just kept on grabbing them. And then you got a 7-1, 7-1 player instead. And then you also still have Precious as your backup five if you want to use him that way. And I think Precious is going to, you know, close in some games because he is still very good. Um, not every team has a Joel Embiid. And you're going to want probably, we'll get to the offense in a second, but you're probably going to want his ability to stretch the floor at points. But the, Ra- the Raptors having more roster versatility, which is hilarious because the whole <laughs> motto is that they want to be versatile, but now they actually have roster versatility. You can... You could see situations where they're closing with like four or five different lineups and they're all going to be pretty good. And it's funny you say that. Well, I think right there, it's you have two players that actually complement each other, right? Mm. Because 
Yaka brings one style, one brand of basketball, and Achua is bringing, you know, another of athletic play, energy, up and yeah. down. You're going to get some mistakes with him, which is fine, as long as he's committed to the intensity on one end, and mm -hmm. he's never shy of that, right? He's always sure. going up there and competing. That's one thing we have to credit him is sometimes, and earlier in the season, you have to tell him, like, no, 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 like, slow down a bit, slow down yeah. a bit. But he's gotten so much smarter. He's, you know, he now, really has. Yeah, he's emphasized that. He really has grown as a playmaker more, and a basketball IQ. And, yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that you attribute that sometimes guys sitting out when he was out with his ankle, ankle injury, he had a chance to just watch games, right? Yeah. Just watch practice and take a seat back and, and just evaluate like, man, how can I, how can I help this team? Right. Sure. And the reality is he came back. Got himself acclimated, got himself healthy again, got his pop under him, got his second wind under, under him. And now you, now you see it like he's just growing. And sometimes less is more. You know, you're swinging the ball to, through him to get it to the second side. He's not just taking that that random three at the top of the key anymore. He's actually getting it over, you know, setting a good screen, rolling to the basket hard, getting himself opportunities that way, getting on the offensive boards, mm -hmm. slashing and fighting. You really using his God given ability as opposed to just trying to be a a good all-around player, right? Sure. Better to be, you know, a great player in your niche than mm -hmm. just try to be this guy. That, and sometimes it, it comes from the grassroots level where everybody's yeah. taught, go get points, go get this. No, like be the best in your role and you help a team. And as long as you're helping the team, you're going to be on that court. As long as you're helping a coach win, you're going to earn minutes. Yeah. And it's funny to, to your point, talking about the, the versatility of the, the, the roster now, it's almost like, you know, from a reporter standpoint, right? And I know you do a lot of writing as well. As if, if you went into the, I don't actually, but go on. I don't do any. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if from a, from a reporter standpoint, though, if you were to go into these these pressers and you're only allowed to write about one player every single day, how much work could you really do? Like, there's not, yeah, there's only so much before you run out of. You know stories, narratives, and and so forth to talk about. It's no different than a coach. If you look down your your bench, and you have the same exact profile, when things aren't going right, it's not like you can change up the scheme or or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys saying. coming in are yeah. the exact same skill set. Yeah. Right? Now you add somebody that brings something yeah. different, it gives you a change of pace. Hopefully, minutes go down for some of those starters. And Masai was asked yesterday. I forget the report. I would uh, I would credit them if I if I could. Um, he was asked about three point shooting in the Raptors and like how do you do you think it's important that you have that or do you think you can build around you know the fact that you're not a great three point shooting team? He's like, no, we have to become a top ten, top five three point shooting team. It's going to be a process. And I'm mentioning this because the the murky part of Jakobertel being on the court with you know Pascal and Sagatti and stuff like that is that your three point shooting is going down the tank. Um, Pascal has his moments as a catch and shoot player and also just a pull-up shooter. Scotty has his moments and Jakob, you know, he, he's shooting 60% from the free throw line. Um, and that's a career high for him. That's good, but he's not a three-point shooter either. So how do you think you work around this? Let's get to the offensive side of things. Cause Jakob does offer a lot of things that I think are, is going to help the Raptors have a better flow and a better pace, but the three-point shooting itself, when you have Jakob and Pascal and Scotty all on the court, how do you work around it? Well, I think for one, um, where he helps there and from the, the three-point shooting is you now give a, a another dimension, right? Because this is somebody yeah. that you can, you can throw the ball into the post and that commands some attention. 
Sure. Right. Because he has the ability to pass the basketball the way he does. If you watch how he played with the Spurs, there's nights where he's he's led them an assist. Right. And we're yeah. talking about three, four, five, six assists. Um, And over his career, he's passed the ball well. He can also put the ball in the hole. Is he going to give you 20 a night? No, but he gives you something enough that he, you 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 have to respect it. Yeah. Anybody that's shooting 60 percent from the floor, you have to be able to res- you have to respect what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So that now, you know, commands some attention and you can now kick out. Are you the greatest three point shooting team? No, but you have capable three point shooters. So if you're able to get yeah. cleaner looks, more open looks, <clears throat> guys are going to knock them down. I think yeah. a lot of what was happening before is we're in a time in the NBA where everybody's switching everything. Right. So if guys are trying to isolate and go one on one from the perimeter or getting pick and roll actions and teams are switching, there's no advantage, right? So you're not getting the cleaner yeah. looks, you're getting as open shots as you'd like. You're getting some of those tougher shots off of the dribble. You're getting some of shots where guys are, you know, trying to beat the shot clock and it becomes a hot potato. You're kicking out to somebody and they're getting it up under the rest, which aren't great shots, right? Especially sure. for a team that's not in rhythm from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Now you're not, you're not fighting that as much. You can actually dump it inside or you can run a pick and roll with a big and you know he gets that short roll and he yeah. has the ability to make that little push shot make that little floater right but i think it, it just changes up the idea the concept of what you can do by just having that presence mm. drop it down he's six shooting six percent from the floor yep. so he knows he knows himself right he knows his where his strengths he knows his weaknesses and you stick to that He's averaging 3.1 assists per game. That's a career high and a 16.6 assist percentage, which is again, a career high for him. Uh, one of the best among centers and the Raptors themselves are 24th in assists per game. Look, Jakob, I mean, he's a, he's a next action big. He's, he's honed in on that skill with San Antonio. You can see how he could help in their DHO in their pick and roll. Fred's needed a pick and roll partner, a reliable one. Um, he's got one now. He's going to actually set great screens. He's going to roll the bucket. Uh, Fred himself is a good passer in his own right. And you are able to see ways in which those two could hopefully become a bit of a, a, a pick and roll duo that could really bend defenses and get them collapsing. And then you can get op- more open shots, obviously a more, more open, the better for any shooter, right? Whether it's Pascal or Scotty. Well, to, to add to that too, it's he's seven one, right? Sight so lines, sight lines, right? Yeah. So there's no, you know, defense is on, on the court level. Yeah. Right. But there's no defense when he puts his arms in up in the air and gives you mm-hmm. a big target and rolls to the basket as a big target. There's yeah. no defense there. Sure. Right. There's nobody that can get up there. And I think we've been on the, the opposing end of it a lot of times where we've we've come up with these these um you know bigs that we're giving up a couple of inches to. Yeah. And they're a big target, you know, the perimeter can get it into them and they're just turning and dropping it in the basket. Mm-hmm. Right. So now you can become that team where you can take advantage of of that matchup, right? Yeah. Seven one, seven foot wingspan. Okay, give me a big target, Fred. Give me a big target. Get the ball, and you just yeah. you just finishing it. They got to start cutting a bit more too. I mean, with someone like Jakob, that's where he is going to be best utilized. Especially if you're not going to be a great three point shooting team, then you probably have to have a bit more movement. And I like the idea of Gary and Fred, you know, cutting off ball. They're doing DHO. Oh wait, no second. We're going to cut back door, and Jakob finds them, or uh, Jakob decides to keep the ball, and he has an open lane to the rim. Or guess what? Maybe 
off ball, you got Fred and, and Scotty doing some screening actions and one of them flashes to the middle and now you got a high low thing happening. This is how they're going to have to think and probably just being like really, uh, really purposeful with their, mm-hmm. their actions and doing things with purpose and making it fast and being aware of the spacing is going to be really important. Like it's, yeah, three-point shooting is going to be a problem and teams are going to try and make them have to make shots from there. But for the Raptors, you have to be able to overwhelm teams with your your size and your movement. And they haven't been a great movement teams in terms of just like cutting off ball. They've been developing that. Uh, but now you have a big who can probably do it and help you just get better offense overall. Yeah, I think that's also where... You know, and Masai touched on it yesterday as well in his presser in yeah. terms of, you know, the, some of the selfishness that we've seen from, and he didn't single out just one player, just across the board at times. And it's it's tough, right? When you're not making shots and sometimes you're, you're playing a little bit too much one-on-one, the two or three possessions go by and nobody mm. else has touched the ball, then you finally get it and yeah. you feel like, okay, it's my turn now, right? right. So, you know, when you have a a post presence that can, sure. it's also a willing passer, I think that that helps everybody so much more because now you uh-huh. can move off the ball and trust that you're going to get it back, trust your cuts. And the reality is, yeah, you cut back door, you get a dunk. Everybody wants to dunk. Everybody wants to get the fans involved and and get that. So get that excitement going, get the juices flowing. So I think you you get a bit more there. Um, that yeah. three-point shooting, again, if you get cleaner looks and you're not playing as perimeter-oriented, perimeter then you start to get those wide-open shots and. Mm you knock down one then you feel comfortable knocking down two you're not thinking about taking them and that's yeah. where you start to roll a bit so you know similar to what messiah said you want to become a better three-point shooting team whether it be by development or you know evaluating later and seeing what you can get in the summer but in today's game um and it's not just about the analytics in today's game the way defense is played you have to be able to to shoot that yeah Wrapping up the pod in a second here. Um, I think it's easier to figure out how Pascal is going to fit because he's the number one option, right? OG and Scotty are a bit different. And talking about Scotty now, he has been used as the five and he's been used in this role that Jakob is now going to take over essentially, right? As the uh, screen roller DHO. Um, now, like how does Scotty get his offense? Because I mean, he's a, he's a great isolation scorer. Um, there's definitely something there and we keep on seeing it over and over. And, you know, when he gets passive, I, I think it's more about him trying to make the right play instead of trying to, you know, or just not, you know, being aggressive or not being in the mentality or not focused. I think he's just trying to make sure that the Raptors are, you know, spacing properly and he's trying to be um, a point guard in his own way. Right. He's acknowledging he's being aware of the the court. But now for Scotty, if he's not doing that role as much, and he probably, you know, backup point guard, he's going to get his minutes as um, the focal point and the playmaker. But when he's on the court with the starters, plus Jakob, I'm curious what you think. How does Scotty manufacture his offense? Well, I think for one, Scotty, I think it's clear that you, you've you got to engage Scotty and he's got to feel engaged in the game or he he, he loses a little focus, right? He gets sure, a sure. little um, off track. But when he is, I think, you know, those two can complement each other just fine, right? Because you have Spotty, uh, Scotty that's, you know, he catches that ball at the high post and you have a big target that's that's going to post down on, you know, mm-hmm. big to big, you can you can play off each other, right? So Jakob can get some initial, yeah. you know, early early looks um, and try and get some low, deep, low post uh, positioning. And if not, mm-hmm. can take it over onto, like you mentioned, onto a second side set of screen from one of those Pascals or, or any of those guys that can come off and then get another look themselves while Scotty still has that ability to survey the court and then mm-hmm. find his space to, you know, take yeah. advantage. There's a lot of ways that you could really utilize both in their, their skill sets. Um, but 
the, the, the main thing is that Scotty's going to find a way, right? His game isn't, he's more like a, a 90s player. It's not sure. sexy, it's not cute all the time, but if he's engaged, he's going to contribute something, whether it be from the defensive side, whether it be on the offensive side, and he doesn't yeah. always need to score to be impactful. Yeah. And that's the thing that you like about him. A lot of times he shares a lot of passion when his teammates are getting off or when he's a part of a play where, you know, his teammates score the basketball. At 21 years old in the league that's throwing out so much money for guys that are scoring the basketball, it's impressive to see him enthuse and, and share that passion even when he's not scoring the ball. Yeah. Transition offense is going to get a lot better too. Yeah. Um, Jakob's going to kickstart that. And then you're, you also have a big who can run the floor and probably beat hit the other big. And um, if they're not back similar to what they do with OG and Scotty, like if uh, Jakob has a smaller player, you feed to the post, find him. He's probably going to finish in the, in the post. He does a great job. Um, he's got a, a great touch. He's had that since his Toronto days. He always had a nice touch around the basket. Scotty does too. Um, all right, man, this was really fun. I'm happy to have you aboard. Anything you want to shout out? Anything coming up? let's get some wins let's get some yeah. wins. dubs 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 all right everyone um hopefully yaka Pirtle plays tonight we don't know at this moment if he's going to but he is going to be around the corner let's see uh what happens here with the toronto raptors let's see if they can reel off some wins and get back into that top six who knows all right thanks everyone enjoy yourselves have a great weekend we'll talk soon Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.